0: new vulnerabilities are found in the world's biggest selling network devices how worried should we be hi everybody i'm bob bowman editor-in-chief supply chain brain and this is the supply chain brain podcast Recently, the Trellix Advanced Research Center discovered two major vulnerabilities in Cisco network devices. They have the potential to affect any number of critical networks, including data centers, factories, power plants, and even smart city power grids. One of them would allow attackers to gain near-complete control of the device's operating system. The other would permit overwriting of most of the files on the OS. So how did Trellix find them, and what are the implications of the discovery? On this episode, we speak with Doug McKee, Director of Vulnerability Research, about the danger that these new bugs pose to global supply chains and the devices that support them. We find out just how vulnerable this widely used networking technology is and what we need to do to shore it up against a potentially devastating cyber attack. Here's my conversation with Doug McKee. Doug McKee, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks so much. A pleasure being here today. Doug, what is the big takeaway from this latest vulnerability research coming out of the Trellix Advanced Research Center?
1: Well, Bob, I assume you're talking about the research we did centered around uh, Cisco networking devices. The biggest takeaway that we're getting at this is we discovered a vulnerability uh, on Cisco networking devices that allows attackers to get unprecedented access to the underlying operating system of those devices. And at the end of the day, what that allows is an attacker to use that device to potentially sniff network traffic, to maybe change network traffic, and allows them to reconfigure the device. They could use it as a stepping stone to get further into someone's network. It really has an unlimited possibility scenario. Now, I don't wanna to be uh, too dramatic. There are some preconditions required for an attacker to leverage this vulnerability. Uh, in fact, the attacker already has to be authenticated to the device. This would mm-hmm. be something that we ref- like to refer to as like a privilege escalation type of a scenario. And is what that means is once an attacker gets access to a system or a network, they often don't have a lot of privileges or permissions to execute a certain tasks. And this type of vulnerability allows them to get a higher level privilege on the system or device to be able to do things you're not typically able to do inside of a network. That was the main thing that we discovered, but we also found another bug. We didn't get what's called a CVE number for it because it was actually a bug that is not accessible in current Cisco devices. It was a feature that was going to be added on later. We were able to squash that with Cisco ahead of time. Mm. So another big win.
0: You say you discovered it. At what point do you think you discovered it? Did you unveil it and discover it before it did any damage or was the possibility that there was some hacking that took place in in network systems as a result of this before you discovered it?
1: That's a great question. We kind of get that question uh, regardless of the research that we're releasing. And honestly, Bob, it's, it's hard to say, right? Because until you understand an issue and how it exists within a piece of technology, you're not really looking for it, right? Until you're looking for that issue, it's very difficult to say if, whether it has been executed previously in the past. We don't have any data that supports that it has been leveraged by uh, threat actors previously. And hopefully we will be able to, as a result of this research, know if threat actors attempt to leverage it in the future.
0: So you were indeed proactively looking for something? I mean, how do you discover something like this in the first place?
1: That's another great question. My team was inside of Trellix. We have a vulnerability research team. And the purpose, one of the main purposes for this team is to do exactly that, is to think about what are bad guys or what are threat actors going to be interested in? We can use resources like CISA. We can use telemetry that we get from our products, but really think like the bad guy. And then we want to try to find it first. And that's exactly what we were doing here. So CISA had published some research about threat actors going after different type of networking devices. One of those type of networking devices were Cisco devices. So we sat down and looked at Cisco devices and said, if we were the bad guy, what would we be looking to do? And privilege escalation, like I described, is one of those things that a bad actor would be looking to do inside of the type of environment. So that kind of leads our path and our direction when looking for these type of, type of issues.
0: Doug, explain what CISA stands for.
1: Technically, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, if I'm Got not it.
0: mistaken. All right. So what are the implications, though? I mean, Cisco network devices are everywhere. I mean, they're throughout. They're just, they use extremely <laughs> common. I mean, this is the, what, the leading network producer of networking devices are certainly one of them. How does this play out potentially had you not? discovered it or stopped it or or squashed it, as you, as you say, what damage could it have done on a broader scale?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Cisco is one, if not the largest manufacturer out there. In fact, interesting side antidote is when we reported this vulnerability to Cisco, we were only aware of one type of Cisco networking device in which it affected. And Cisco came back to us and said, actually, the vulnerability that you've discovered affects a much, much larger range of devices than we were aware of which is why we worked with Cisco very closely. We made sure they had ample time to to patch this problem. So that way, all of the devices that Cisco makes could have a patch for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's really hard to speculate. We hadn't found it. What could happen? Of course, a bad actor or threat actor would have to discover this specific vulnerability as well and have to understand how to leverage it. Uh, They would also need that mitigating factor. As I said, they'd have to be able to authenticate to the Cisco device. This is not super difficult to come by. One of the things that we we hear all about time in the news is phishing or social engineering or a way to get credentials. So this is something threat actors do quite well. Uh, If they're able to do that, and then they were able to leverage this vulnerability, they would be able to have a unrecognizable presence on a networking device. What's actually a more interesting topic when we talk about networking devices in general, is the supply chain angle. Edge devices, especially Cisco devices, they're very, very complex to configure. And they often are sent to third parties before their end customer to configure those devices. This is a scenario where you wouldn't have to have or social engineering or anything like that, you just have to have a malicious person in the third party that wanted to install a piece of malware before it was sent to the customer. Um, And these type of supply chain threats, something that's been around for a very long time and particularly target these type of devices.
0: Because in the supply chain, by its very nature, so many different parties are involved and it can propagate throughout organizations just all over the place, I guess, as a result, right? Absolutely. But there are broader potential applications. You did stop this, which is good. But I'm wondering, like, some of the different aspects of the supply chain, you could find it in a manufacturing center, in a data center, industrial factories. But one of the places I found interesting was the possibility of smart city power grids. That seems like a particularly dangerous and vulnerable thing. Do you find such networks as that to be particularly threatened on a regular basis? And what are the implications of those going down in the event of a successful bug.
1: Yeah, our critical infrastructure is always a key component when we're talking about threats. And while I don't have any like specific data around our research and smart power grid, these type of Cisco devices and other networking devices definitely protect those types of infrastructures. And if one of those type of infrastructures were to be compromised, there would potentially be the ability for a threat actor to access those networks unauthenticated, look for additional problems or vulnerabilities within those states and cause havoc that we uh, probably don't want to think about in the long run. But that's just even more the reason why it's great that Cisco was able to patch these type, uh, this type of vulnerability and we were able to discover ahead of time so we don't have to think about those doomsday scenarios, if you will.
0: Yeah, and even beyond smart city power grids, just the power grid in general, the national power grid. We have heard horror stories about the possibilities of those being taken down, and that's a scary thing. I mean, certainly it hasn't happened yet by any means, but do you think that is a serious concern that we do need, in fact, to be worried about? Or is it just a scare tactic? Are we overemphasizing that particular threat?
1: I don't think we're making too much of it in the larger context of security. I think – when we're talking about any critical infrastructure, whether it's water, smart power grids, or et cetera, we need to have that very much in the forefront of our minds from a cybersecurity perspective. One of the things that we're plagued from in the critical infrastructure industry is we often, ha- often have older technology that was never conceived with the level of security needed in today's world. And so it's extremely important that we are putting the physical devices and the software that we're putting in front of our critical infrastructure, that it's being vetted through the same type of research that my team is doing to look for these type of threats so we can get it fixed ahead of time. Because at the end of the day, any type of attack on these systems could affect our everyday life
0: here. It seems like hackers are always trying to stay one step ahead of People like you who are out there to kind of smoke them out in terms of the sophistication of the bug, particular bug that they're that they're putting into the system. Was there anything particularly interesting and sophisticated about this particular bug that you'd found in the Cisco networking device, or was it just kind of a the sort of thing you've seen before?
1: I would say fundamentally at its core, it was the same type of things that we've seen before. It manifests itself a little bit different in every single scenario. A larger term for this class of bug is called command injection. And command injection vulnerabilities have been around for decades at this point. That concept of a bug is is very much not new. I would say an interesting component for this research that is new is the idea that there's something called containers. And you can kind of think of this as a self-contained package on top of uh, a networking device and containers 10 years ago never ran on edge devices it's, it's a relatively new concept in networking to have the system that's running containers on top of it for uh, networking devices so that complexity is definitely a new ad here and, and also it makes this a very interesting and unique bug from that perspective
0: what about User responsibility, I mean, in terms of a bug like this actually getting triggered, does it require somebody to do something wrong, to use a a bad password, to introduce third-party devices that are not vetted? Are there things that have to happen on the user side to trigger this, or could it just have happened even though a company might have taken all what it felt to be all necessary precautions?
1: That question differs slightly depending on the, I'm going to call, attack chain that we talk about. Earlier, I mentioned things like social engineering and phishing attacks. That would definitely be on the end user, right? Being diligent and vigilant to make sure that you're not a victim or don't be victimized by whether it's a a text message or whether it's an email with a link on it, something like that. That would be something the end user needs to be very careful about to hold their credentials close and and private. On the other Mm -hmm. side of that coin, if we're talking about the supply chain issue and a third-party vendor being able to introduce malware before it gets to the end customer, there's very little the end customer would be able to do to recognize that problem or that mistake. So in, in that case, making sure that you're using well-vetted third-party vendors who are configuring your software would be the best that you could do in that scenario. But the end customer is probably at a lesser responsibility in that in that scenario.
0: How would you characterize the general awareness in the users of these systems about the possibility of a cybersecurity attack and therefore taking the necessary measures to prevent it? Do you think that people are awake about this or do you think that we need more awareness of the problem in the first place?
1: When we talk about end users as enterprises that have network administrators, largely I think the population of network administrators are aware that threats like this exist. But I also think that we could use more awareness and discovery of these type of bugs. Kind of like I said in the, in the beginning is we only can find what we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. And not everybody in an enterprise is a security expert. For an example, a network administrator knows, hey, I need to stay on top of this visory that come out of Cisco and I need to apply the patches that Cisco releases. And they can be doing the best possible job they can at that. But if there's not the other side of that coin, if there's not people like my team and other researchers out discovering those volumes to get them fixed with Cisco, those end users are never going to be able to protect against those types of attacks. So I think it goes a little bit both ways. We need some more awareness and we need some more research being constantly done on all the products, software and hardware that's being released as much as possible by independent evaluators. Um, and then, of course, we need educated end users to implement those things correctly.
0: Tell me more about the work of the Trellix Advanced Research Center. Basically, what does that consist of? I mean, here you went after this particular bug, but on a regular basis, just what what do you guys do in order to promote the whole idea of cybersecurity?
1: That's a great question. We have a really big team from the Autologics Advanced Research Center. We have some of the best researchers on the planet working for us. And we do a couple different things where we're looking to detect trends ahead of the market and therefore advise the industry and customers about those trends. We're also doing things like what my team is is working on, which is kind of a predictive model. Like what are the bad guys going to be thinking about? What are they going to be moving to and trying to find those security threats ahead of time? And then of course, we're doing all the core research needed from combining threat intelligence and putting that into our products, in which we, we sell to our customers. So, uh, really, a, a multi pronged attack from and uh, research from the Charlie's Advanced Research Center.
0: And you're on always uh, constantly performing this type of action. I would think in terms of the proactive search for potential bugs. Are you not? I mean, that's part of the core Absolutely. of what you do.
1: Absolutely, we are always uh, always on the hunt for new bugs. We will never be able to cover every single product and industry and piece of hardware that's released. And that's why we really call for a collaborative nature in the cybersecurity industry, uh, working with other, not just security vendors, but other end users to make sure that we can have as a holistic uh, picture as possible.
0: From the positive standpoint, I'd like to think that the fact that you found this particular bug is a heartening development. I mean, it means that you guys are on your toes and we're able to stop it before it did damage. But I'm not sure that you can answer this question because the problem is so widespread. But where do you think, Doug, that we are most vulnerable right now in terms of types of systems? types of industries, where the connections are, is it possible to generalize or is it just we need to be alert everywhere?
1: That's a big question there. (laughs) I think the unfortunate reality is that we're vulnerable in every aspect of piece of technology that we choose to use. We're probably most vulnerable where we don't think about security first. Sometimes that can be our our mobile devices because we just click through everything that we get and we use them so often. Or other times that can be where enterprises are Developing new technology, like we've seen increase in development, for example, in satellite technology. Are we being security minded first when we're talking about satellites being released? But I think security needs to permeate every single piece of technology and industry that we use. We're most vulnerable where we're forgetting to put security
0: first. Doug McKee of the Trellix Advanced Research Center. I want to thank you so much for explaining, number one, how you found this particular bug in the Cisco networking device, and also just how you do your work generally and what the actual threat is to network systems and IT these days. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Bob. It was a pleasure talking to you, and happy to come back anytime.
0: That was my conversation with Doug McKee of Trellix, talking about vulnerabilities found in essential network devices. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel.